following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019, season 15, and episode number 70. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. It is our final show of the week. Uh, there will not be a break tomorrow or Friday or Monday. Uh, there will be a joint show, though, tomorrow, so you guys stay tuned for that. Actually, it's going to be really exciting. It's really exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Nick will be on with Brian and Jesse and Nate, and uh, Shannon's going to host it. So there are going to be a ton of opinions. I don't know if they like have enough powder keg. Yeah, I don't know if they have enough microphones to go around for, for those guys, but it will be interesting listening, so make sure you check that out. Today, though, uh, before we get out of here for the week, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about expectations. Yesterday we talked about the offense. We went down through the entire offensive roster of the guys at play um, and gave you our opinions as far as where we expected them to be and where they are after seven weeks into the season. We'll do the exact same thing today on the defensive side of the ball and uh, and just kind of get this whole thing rolling. One thing I didn't get to yesterday I want to ask real quick before we get into the defense was just overall for the offense – um, where do you guys think they are? Are they at expectations, above expectations, or below expectations? Nice little dead air. Right there. <laughs> I, I don't know. Everybody's thinking. I don't know how to. I don't know how to answer that because like this this team should be better than four and three. Okay, take me. Let's let's tip, let's break it down a little bit. Take me back to um, August. August. What did you think this offense would be? Running, passing. What did you think this offense would be? I, that's, I guess that's uh, that's why I struggle to answer because, like, just if you're looking at it statistically, I would say it's either at or above. Like, Dak is is playing great. The the passing is there. Gallup is taking a step. Witten's been what you thought he'd be. Cooper's on his grind. They're scoring a lot of points for the most part, with the one exception being New Orleans. And and you're seeing the elements from Kellen Moore that we thought we would see, at least to a degree. Maybe not as much as we'd prefer, but it is there. But they're four and three, so I I would say I would probably say at I guess. I would say that as well. They they lost a couple games already this year. Their offense is, and they haven't really won any like shootout games where they like had to have the offense like that. So I would say probably at the expectations. It's just been so inconsistent, you know. You, you've seen them having great games, and then you've seen others that it's like, what the heck are you doing? Now, I'll say this. I definitely was one that did not truly believe on Kellen Moore and what he could do. I think he somewhat exceeded my expectation in that aspect because I expected to come in here and just see the same things over and over. At least during training camp and those first games and even in the preseason, we saw new elements. We saw him trying new things and just being more fun in a way, you know, more like less predictable. Although people can argue that in these past games, oh, they've gone back to being predictable and all that. But at the beginning of the season, that's where I think he impressed me in that aspect now. It just kind of disappear all of a sudden. But I still have hope that 
they can build on from this Eagles game and keep that moving forward. They've only stunk once in seven games, right? I mean, it hasn't always been perfect. Again, but again, like offensively, that's no yeah. the, the offense. That's what we're talking. You know, about. the one thing I I will point out is I think you can say in spurts in games because there were certainly spurts or periods of the Jets and They're the Packers terrible. game where the offense was really not good. So they kind of got it together at some point. It wasn't enough, and at a soon enough time where they still could win the game. But I would say if you look at it from that standpoint, I would probably say they've probably had. Um, eight quarters, or man, probably even less than that. More, yeah, probably eight quarters, seven, eight quarters of bad offense this season. Would you guys agree with that? Dolphins was one of two of them. So we'll say. So you want to put? So if you want to say the Dolphins, I was actually thinking two from uh, from Packers and and uh, and Jets, and then pretty much they the offense really didn't do its job against New Orleans. So f- all right, we'll just say ten and ten they've, quarters. They've yeah. played how many? Twenty eight. So that's a third of the time. So maybe it's below expectations. I mean, well, but but here's bad the deal: a third of the time. But that's here's not the deal, I, and this is where I, I maybe, for me at least, I look at it and say they're at expectations is because I didn't think coming into the season they would be. Um, you give me the best offensively. I didn't think they would be the Saints with Breeze. I didn't think yeah. they'd be one of those offenses. I thought they'd be good. Well, I didn't think they'd be great. And maybe this is what good is and not great. Yeah. Right? Well, they're ranked first in the league in offense, so it's, uh, no one expected that. So it's hard to kind of say that it's even at expectations. But it's a tricky question yeah, to answer. It really is. It, yeah. I, I would I would say at because yeah. you're four and three. Yeah. So yeah. that number one offense hasn't really helped you and, as much as you would think it would. And really, they were so good offensively in the four wins. That that's what jades those numbers when you say they're number one in the league. Well, in those four games that they won, the offense was perfect. I mean, they were really, well, really good. And in the other three games, and really just in one of them, like you said, they were really, 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 really bad. If you took out the Packer game, just took it out, they wouldn't be first in the league. So that's why numbers are jaded because they have all these stats and yards and all that. But stuff. I guess to that point, and yeah, they've had their struggles. They started slow, but like against New York, I mean, Green Bay speaks for itself. They had like 500 yards of offense mm-hmm. in that game, but they put up 400 against the Jets in a game that we would all agree they weren't good in. Yeah. So even when they're struggling, it's light years better than it was in the first half of last season. So. And nobody gets. I'm not going to praise anybody too much at four and three with a loss to the Jets, but I'll give them at expectation. All right, let's move on. Let's go on and uh, flip to the defense. Let's go through these names. We got to start with what I think is the leader of this defense, Demarcus Lawrence. Has he been above, at, or below expectations? At expectations. Okay, for me, that was not what I thought you were going to say. But okay, he's been at expectations. He's been really. He's been a really good player. He's been. uh, very active, and how many sacks does he have? Three and a half, maybe four. He's been, he's. I mean, I, I expected him to to go out and, and and get a lot of attention and do well, and I expect the guys around him to to benefit from it. I, for me, he's at expectations. Allow me to contradict myself because I, I'll, and I'm going to keep defending him. I really do think he's played well, um, below expectation. $108 million contract that comes with pretty ridiculous expectations. And like, maybe you could say you're never going to meet those, but that comes with the territory. Like when you get that kind of deal, that's what people expect. And I know he gets double teamed. I know he does a lot of stuff that fans don't necessarily see. And the thing that upsets me is when people are like, well, he just took his money and disappeared. Like that's clearly not true. Mm-hmm. But when you sign a $108 million contract, 
you're expecting multi-sack games. You're expecting game-changing plays every week. I mean, that's the type of stuff Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald do, and that's the territory he's in with a deal like that. So even though I think he's played well, I would say below. Amber? I think... Uh, this is a hard one because you do have to look at what he does aside from just getting sacked, how he helps the defensive line and those other players. But I would probably lean more towards Dave's opinion on this just because you did expect the pass rush to be so good at the beginning of this year, and it just wasn't. Regardless of him coming off that injury, regardless of Robert Quinn being suspended, he didn't have Robert Quinn last year, and he was still performing at a high level. And this year, it just it wasn't what you really expected it to be. Robert Quinn has helped the 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 um, pass rush. Sorry, he has helped the pass rush. But Demarcus Lawrence, even though he's just now picking it up, it, it, at this point in time, when you look at every single game, he hadn't necessarily met those expectations that you initially had with him coming in with that kind of money and contract. I will say this is that was easily his best game of the season Mm -hmm. against the Eagles, against a good right tackle in Lane Johnson. He was active. Mm -hmm. He flashed in the run and in uh, pass rush, strip sack. That's the guy. I mean, that's what got him that contract in the first place. He's got a week to rest his shoulder and whatever else might be bothering him. So hopefully that's the start of a trend. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Robert Quinn. At above or below expectations? Definitely above. Above. So far above. Which, yep. I mean, you said yesterday, you said at, because you go back to, I mean, you and I That's had a I big expect, argument. Yeah. Like, you thought, I guess you thought he was this dude, and I did not. I know he's been on bad Dolphins teams, but you hit 30 just in general. Unless you play quarterback, you kind of expect some sort of drop-off. Well, he's had a drop-off, and and everybody in the league thought he was, he was at a drop-off, you know, or you don't get a sixth-round pick for him. So the Dolphins thought it, the Cowboys thought it, still paid him $8 million a year. But he's on pace to have about 13 or 14 sacks. And he's had I, six at week seven. So yeah. yeah, I mean, he's up there, so – I, I'd be. I mean, I'd argue with you that you thought that. that well, what I it. thought, and if yeah. you remember what I said, what I said was he would be. He he had the ability to be the top pass rusher on this team. That was what I said because I said the argument we were having was about Demarcus Lawrence and if he continued to hold out. And what I said was the Cowboys actually put themselves in a great position because if they didn't have Demarcus Lawrence to start the year, I think they have somebody who's capable uh, to be able to come in and Robert Quinn and be their top pass rusher and give you what Demarcus Lawrence was yeah. giving you last year. And that's what he's shown us. If the Cowboys. To me, if the Cowboys really thought he was going to come in and be like this, then I, I think they overpaid for Demarcus. But uh, I know that's another topic. Well, Demarcus is younger, right? Yeah, but I so mean, you pay for youth in this league. Yeah, right? you, that's a whole other argument. I mean, you know, if Marinelli's going to rotate the guys the way he does, I, I don't know if I don't know. I don't know if he is it worth paying. I don't that much know money? if you really should be paying a guy twenty one yeah. million a year, and it's great for Demarcus. He 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 earns. The, I don't know if he earns that much money, but I'm just saying, like, he is one of the best in the league. But in this defense, in this scheme, I don't know. I mean, if, if he's not going to play that much more than Kerry Hyder, then I don't understand what are we doing here. They bumped his numbers last week, too, so maybe that'll yeah, continue. Maybe, maybe well, they kind of realize, like, well, the guy that we pay the most is the best and should maybe be out there more. Yeah, often. maybe he did it because if you remember, he intimated that before the game, like, that yeah. ain't going to be a problem. Somebody was asking him about him being off the field, and he was like, that ain't going to be a problem. Good. And so I think, I, I do wonder if, if whether it was initiated by him or by the coaches. 
I think there was somebody who made a decision, and we got to have him on the field yeah, more let, frequently. Let me reiterate. If, if you get the Demarcus Lawrence that played like the Eagle game, and that's most of the time, then no, you're not overpaying for him. But if, yeah. you, if you're getting – just as much help from the other guys, then it's probably not a good fit. Right. You still need him to be stud, right? Yeah. I would have said six to eight sacks is the realistic range for Robert Quinn. Say again? Six to eight? Six, six to eight okay. for Quinn for the whole season. That I would have said that sounded realistic, and he's I mean he's there right now mm-hmm. in October, so that's great. And the D-Law is a part of that. He is. It all and that was the beauty of all of this, all of is it. that you now have, in my opinion, you've got really two great pass rushers on both sides. And so if teams are going to decide, and as you've noticed, I'm sure you guys have noticed over the last couple games, now DeMarcus is getting a little less double teams, and Quinn's getting a few more double mm-hmm. teams, and that's the point. Like You want teams to have to balance it out, and sometimes they may go one side, and sometimes they may go the other, and you expect the guy that has one guy he has to beat to win his matchup, and that's really what you want. The last time the Cowboys had anything like that was probably Greg Ellis and, and DeMarcus Ware, right? right? Where you had two legitimate pass rushers on either side. The other thing, which we can get to this in a minute, but there's a, you know the stats came out this week that they're both both of them are among the league leaders in terms of how often they're double teamed, which also says you sure could use some help from your tackles to take the pressure off of those guys. <laughs> you know, some before push. he got here, I didn't know much about him. I didn't really watch him play or anything. It was just based on everything that I was reading, things that I was hearing about him. So I expected him to be good and, oh, he's going to be great next to the Marcus, blah, blah, blah. We got to training camp, and what I saw prior to him getting injured was not impressive. What I, you saw was 77. Okay, does it matter? I mean, it, yes, it does <laughs> it matter. Matters. Yes, it, it does matters, matter. Yeah. But it was still not impressive. Yeah, it, it, was just, I, it, it was nothing that was getting me excited about. But So that's why, for me at least, he definitely exceeded the expectations because after watching that little bit of training camp from him, I was just like, oh, this is not that great. Mm-hmm. So when he came in finally from the suspension – and showed up what he can do and just elevated his game game elevated his game game after game. Yeah. That was impressive to me. Yeah, in all fairness, it's Tyron. I mean, Tyron I makes it, it hard on a lot of guys. He really does. It's true. And the great part about it is, and we were talking about this during training camp, great part about it for Robert Quinn was he was having to go up against him in practice, but he's not gonna face very many weeks in the NFL anybody better than him. So if you can deal with that and start learning how to deal with that, you're going to be even better going up against the guys you have to go against every single week. In I the just NFL. saw him on the ground more often than I would have wanted. He, but yeah, he spent his time down there. Credit to Tyron. Yeah. He, he definitely is a stud. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to jump into the defensive tackle position. We'll do that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. While a player could look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than just stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than just specs and features. You've got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. Experience one for yourself. Visit myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on command? That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. 
Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. The excitement of Dallas Cowboys football is back at AT&T Stadium. The place is going crazy in Arlington, Texas. Don't miss your chance to see the Cowboys live when they host their NFC East Riders, the Eagles, Giants, and Redskins, plus the Green Bay Packers and more. Elliott works his way through and walks the dog. Single game tickets are on sale now. Get them before they're gone. First and goal, quarterback sneak. Prescott pushes up the middle. Touchdown. Visit DallasCowboys.com to get your tickets today. Back to the break. Welcome back. It's the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking about expectations. We're talking about the defense and uh, what they've done this season. Let's jump to the defensive tackle position. you got guys like Malik Collins and Antoine Woods, Christian Covington, and, of course, the rookie Tristan Hill. How have these guys performed, above, at, or below expectations? They're all below for me, every one of all them. All four of them? All four of them. Okay. I thought Christian Covington would do more. I thought Malik Collins would be like a stud like he was in training camp. He's been pretty good at times, but not like we thought. And I, I thought Tristan Hill would play. Uh, and I thought that uh, Antoine Woods would play more too, but he's been hurt. It's not necessarily his fault, but I thought we'd get more at all four of them. That's my for them i give antoine an incomplete just because he he's been hurt you know he was out for three weeks with a sprained knee pretty much agree with nick about everything else like malik collins is he's played well if he was just a dude it we would be it would be gangbusters but i mean we talked this guy up all through training camp as just an absolute man-eating monster beast and he's been good he hasn't played like that. Right. Um, well, and when you're on your last year of your contract, you tend to mm-hmm. do better. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that Which, I mean, he, ha- he has. He's on. Well, but he's not being impressive. I hate to be on pace guy, but he's on pace for like six or seven, you know, five, six sacks, which is pretty good for a D tackle. But just all around his game, you know, he's had lapses against the run. Again, you know, they need a defensive tackle who can reliably push the pocket to help their ends out. I don't think they've had that. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, Tristan Hill's not a bust. It's way too early to call him that. But pick 58 should not be a healthy scratch ever. Right. You know, I'm kind of – I would be interested to know, um, and I, if I catch one of these guys, I might actually ask them what the defensive coaches, particularly the defensive front coaches – think of Malik Collins play because sometimes with a defensive tackle what we see and what we evaluate is very different than maybe how they see it because they know what he's being asked to do on every single play I would be interested to know if they think he's actually playing better than we do because maybe there are plays where like his responsibility here is just to occupy a guy really that's his only responsibility or to turn a guy because somebody else should be shooting a guy I don't I don't know that but I would be interested to see what they would honestly say about his play, uh, because I do think at moments he's been pretty good. 
I just don't know about those other moments that I think are kind of gray areas. If if that is the case, and they and they told you this answer about he's actually played great, we haven't asked them to do all that stuff. Then that's definitely on them. Mm-hmm. Then they get a they get a bad grade because what we saw at training camp going up against the Zach, well, really Zach Martin wasn't there at camp, but still going up against the offensive line at training camp, he was dominant. He was he what he was doing wasn't just taking up space. He was making plays. So if he's been asked to do anything other than that, then that's that would be a failure on their part, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I'll t- there were coaches at training camp who said, I mean, and and there were you know Byron and Tank didn't practice and all that stuff, but coaches were saying you know he's the best defender at camp. He had the best camp. He consistently mm-hmm. was dominant and just showed up every night when they turned on the tape. Yep, he's been good. He hasn't played on the level befitting of that type of preseason hype. Yep, and. You know, maybe he's a victim of his own success, but here we are. And I don't that's know what Ty- creates expectations. Yeah. Right? I don't know if Tyrone Crawford's on your list or whatever, but I mean, you know, you expected more from him. He was hurt, but we expected that he would come back and he would play and he would be a guy that you could play at end and tackle, and they've needed him. And he obviously hasn't been there. How many games did you did he really play? expect that, though? Yeah, I, I expected mean, him to play. I expected he him. He was out for so long with but, that injury and yeah. just everything you heard and how you saw him. I mean, in hindsight, maybe we should have seen that coming but i was more worried about tank than tyrone yeah and I that expected him to play what's that I, mean, I expected him to play i mean i didn't yeah. and then obviously when a guy comes back from injury you don't expect him to go back so yeah. especially with this you know medical staff that typically doesn't happen so yeah. when he was they were very cautious with it he came back he did well in his first two games and then all of a sudden he just couldn't play anymore i, I mean i think know, he played missed it. i think he played three to answer your three question. games three games yeah they, they've missed him uh, yeah. Big time. Because you're saying all these double teams on the outside, who's giving the push on the inside? When you consider that, that he's missed those all those games, Antoine Woods missed a lot of games, do you give any any deference to that when it comes to the defensive tackle position and make you think that maybe you'll see if they can get some consistency with these four guys staying in the lineup, that they can be better here in the second half of the season? Sure. Yeah. I don't think they have a healthy eight-man rotation. I, I don't. I mean, you, yeah, you could rotate at times, but I don't think that it's a, it's a oh, just put another guy in there. I think there's a huge drop-off, especially there at the tackle position. From starters to backups? Mm-hmm. Well, Particularly the crazy thing. Covington or, or Tristan Hill? Well, Hill. Or both? Really, all of them. I mean, because uh, they don't give pass rush. Like, Crawford could give you. I mean, yeah. Antoine Woods is going to eat up blocks, but he's not really getting a lot of rush. Do you expect, if that's the case, that you could see a guy like Hyder, and maybe they even decide at some point on certain downs – uh, to push Tank down and and have him playing a tackle just to get a little more push up the middle. He's done that at times. Yeah. I mean, I don't like it. I actually I I love it when colleges do that. Like they'll move guys to right. you know basically play with four ends. I mean, I wouldn't want to see it all the time, but like if you could find a way to get Hyder and Tank on the field at the same time together instead of rotating them, that'd be fine with me. Maybe yeah. like a nickel situation. I mean, if you think that a Dorrance Armstrong, let's say, is giving you a little something and, and you want to put him at defensive end in passing in rush downs and then slide Tank down and, and maybe have Hyder at the other tackle, now you got four guys that can get after the passer on a rushing down on a on a passing down. We feel like you might be able to really get some push at all four of those positions, right? I, I don't like that because yeah. I don't like you don't have an elite player anywhere because you're you're calling an elite pass rusher now just a tackle and I don't like I don't think that's I, I think you're paying him to be an elite rusher I would rather just give give me the best tackle I can have as opposed to 
Armstrong at the edge. But don't the best pass rushers in this league do that? Like I, you look at, at the way that they use, a, you know, um, um, Aaron Donald, the way they use Khalil Mack. Like they'll move those guys around and put them in different spots mm-hmm. in order to take advantage of of particular matchups, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't think he's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you being paid I, like that though. Oh, that's not... but you just finished saying if you're going to pay him like that, you got to go and at least but make him. him an elite rusher though. Yeah. I don't think he's capable. I think I think you put him over a guard and center where they can get double teamed. I don't think Demarcus is that type of player. I think he needs to be on the edge. That's where he's good at. I don't think he is the dynamic. I don't think he's on the cover of Madden type of player. I don't that's I think he's a great pass rusher, but I don't I wouldn't just put him on the inside to go, well, he he's that much better than a center and a guard. I think they can they can neutralize him in the in the center. Well they're well they're neutralizing him on the outside. So move him around, make it at least make it to where something they have to adjust to, right? And there's something they gotta think about. Maybe they miss something Maybe. in doing so. Maybe. I'll okay. take the cop out answer and just say it doesn't sound like something coaching staff. <laughs> I mean is it fun? <laughs> yes. Then they probably won't do it. Yeah. All right. I was gonna Good. say I was just gonna say that it's crazy when you remember how much we talked about and praised about this team having so much depth everywhere mm. on the team, yeah. basically, except for like maybe one position. But other than that, they had oh all this great depth and all these young guys are, are looking so great, so much potential. And then all of a sudden it doesn't reflect on what they really have on the field, yeah. aside from those veteran guys when they are producing. The backup guys are not near their level at all yeah and i do wonder if this defense as time goes on as guys are more healthy as they've played a little bit more together if this defense will get better because i just don't i have a hard time believing what they put up last year was just a farce i think that i think they can get back to that i just don't know what they got to do to get back to that and uh we'll see over the second half of the year if they really can't find what they were last year um let's move on to the the linebacker position you got jalen smith leighton vanderesh sean lee joe thomas where have those guys performed according to expectations? Below. Below. <laughs> All across the board? Except no. Except for Sean Lee. No, well, Sean Lee and Joe Thomas have been great. I mean, Joe Thomas started rotating in, you know, and getting starter-type snaps as quickly as, like, week two. And Sean Lee played great the other night. He's, he's made good use of his snaps. But what are we really saying? Like, the first-round pick and the de facto first-round pick just got an extension – the Wolf Hunter, the Predator, whatever, all that good stuff. Like not, not enough howling and not enough swiping. They were supposed to be, and, and they still could be. They still could be, but like the narrative is that they are the two young studs that are going to shape this defense for the foreseeable future, and it hasn't been that. Yeah, it just hasn't. Um, again, you know, just like I said with Tank just now, though, like they played their best. Their most recent game was their best game. Leighton was playing great before he got hurt. Doesn't sound like his injury is going to sideline him for too long. I thought Jalen was outstanding against the Eagles. Um, I tweeted it out before the show. You know, he had a play in pass coverage uh, early on in that game. You, you, you know, what I'm, the one I'm talking about. Yeah. If you watch it on all 22, it's even more impressive because he carries the running back to the opposite side of the field diagnoses what's going on, races back to the middle, and just drapes himself. I think it's Ertz, and mm-hmm. he just breaks it. And, I mean, cleanly, no penalty, breaks it up. Fantastic stuff. Um, yep. That's what got them the reputations that they have. They're athletic enough to do that type of stuff. They just haven't been doing it consistently the first seven weeks. Yeah, I thought one thing that was interesting to me in the in the Eagles game, and I think it was probably a function of Anthony Brown being out, but they stayed in their base defense a lot. Even when early in the game when the Eagles were going three wide, 
they still would stay in their base defense and had all three of those linebackers on the field, which forced the linebackers into coverage probably a lot more than they would normally be. And I thought they handled it extremely well. Um, but again, that may have just been a function of Anthony Brown being out, and they felt like with Anthony out, they needed to not go to, to nickel as often as they, they may normally do that. But I thought it, was, it worked for them in this game. I just think that overall, though, yeah, it, it worked. And But I think that we, we expected more plays from that position and, you know, those catalytic type of plays. And new contract or not, it doesn't really matter about the, about the new contract. I mean, um, I know fans are expecting that. But, but still, even before that, I think we would have thought that they would have taken that next step as those mm-hmm. linebacking duo. And it really hasn't happened. They haven't been terrible, but they haven't been as they haven't taken the step that we thought they would. But I will say this: is it doesn't concern me in the long run. And I'm I don't say this to toot my own horn, but like you can go back and find podcasts and stories where like this is at least something that we speculated about. Like sophomore slumps happen to everybody. It's not just a quarterback thing. You give offensive coordinators a year of film to figure out what you don't do well. Like whatever you know and people have talked about Jalen's movement and I think he's fine but like you can pinpoint things that he doesn't do well like handling receivers in space it's been a problem for him this year and you know you design concepts like that to take advantage of what he doesn't do well uh couple with you know and maybe I don't know I don't want to call it false confidence but you know howling and swiping that's a big part of their persona maybe maybe got a little ahead of themselves in terms of where they actually are as players because they're still both so young. Um, but I don't like I don't worry about them in the long run because they have the athleticism and the mental makeup to be great. So I view it more as a stumbling block than like, oh, my God, are the linebackers actually bad? No, it's just yeah. growing pains that go along with this. And the coaching aspect of it, it's a good point because you look at what the Cowboys were able to do offensively in 2016 – and how successful they were, and then the next year you saw a drop-off and and notice how other teams were able to attack them and adjust to that. So maybe same thing applies here when it comes to the defense. Very rarely does anybody's development just go in a straight line, Mm -hmm. ever. Like, it just doesn't happen. So there's going to be ups and downs along the way. I I think they're fine. They've shown, they've had moments. They both played great against the Eagles, hopefully, again. That's a trend moving up. All right, we're going to take our final break, come back, we'll hit the secondary, and then Amber has a game for us. We'll do a little see and no. See or no. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store and learn how to buy one smartphone and get a second one on us. Based on GWS1 score September 2018. It's time for tailgate with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox? The makers of those crazy protective phone cases? The one and only. They're also wild about protecting parking lot parties from sad drinks. It's why they made Elevation Tumblers. Rumor around the crockpot is they're made from stainless steel with a copper lining to keep temps hot or cold. True. They even come in seven different sizes up to 64 ounce. The Growler. Mm. I like how Otterbox drinks. I mean, thanks. And that's been tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation tumblers at otterbox.com. 
A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at Stetson.com today. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. To the break. Final segment of the break. Final segment of the break for the week. We will be uh, taking a little time here on Friday and Monday. Uh, tomorrow we'll have a special joint show. We'll include Nick Eatman, Brian Broaddus, uh, Jesse Holly, and Nate um, Nate Newton, along with uh, Shannon Gross, who will be hosting. So it should be an interesting show. Make sure you check that out. I think it will start up tomorrow at 1130. Go from 1130 to 1230. So check that out. Um, all right. Let's jump right back in. Let's get to the secondary. you got Cornerback position, Byron Jones, Cheeto, Bayo, Wuzier. Um, and then you got Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis. What do you think of the cornerback position? I think um, Byron Jones has pretty much met expectations, um, maybe even exceeded them when because he, he, he was banged up. But he's played like I thought he would, uh, not getting interceptions, but not giving up a lot of big plays. That's kind of what he did last year, and he's been pretty good. Um, I'll say – met expectations for him I'll let you guys handle the rest <laughs> i agree you take the easy one <laughs> i agree met for by i mean it's you honestly know? it's kind of impressive he pl- has been as good as he has without yeah. a training camp basically mm-hmm. and i mean he doesn't All get season. he doesn't get picks but he never has so um cheeto cheeto below what we saw at training camp but maybe that's our fault for buying buying the hype too much i mean well but even at that i still think that i don't think it's just training camp i think even if you compare his play this year to last year i think he's probably below the expectations you would have had coming off of last year right you think i think so i, th- I think he's right there and honestly think he's about the same as he was like yeah. it looks very similar like defenses pick on him because they don't want to mess with byron he gives he get he gets more than he gives like right. he gives up plays more than he makes them but his coverage, I say it all the time, like people get mad at me, like his coverage is always good. It always seems like the throw is right where it needs to be. Like it's not like he's the most unlucky cornerback. I will in the show you, I will show you a guy that's a step and a half off coverage. You know, like I'll show you a guy that's beat. Like he's never beat. He just doesn't make the play. I wish, you know, I've, I've never coached or played DB in my life, but like look back for the ball, man. I just, that, isn't that, that's pretty normal. DB 101. Isn't He's not it? beat because he runs 25 miles an hour. Yeah, no. I mean, he can his, run. his athleticism bails him out in yeah. a lot of those situations. He's a harder guy to get away from. But his coverage is usually good. He doesn't play the ball very well. He just doesn't. Um, but I don't, he's he's made he's made some plays. I mean, he had a pick in New Orleans. Nobody in the world wants to give him credit for that play against Devontae Parker. I think it was Parker. I mean, like he he raked that ball yeah, out of his hands. I give him he was beaten, came Absolutely. back, broke up the touchdown. Um, but it seemed like people were like, oh my god, the guy dropped it and he was beaten. I, I don't think so. Um, still, probably like just again, 
he's a victim of his own success at training camp. Like he, I think he looks exactly the same as he did last year, but he looked so much better at camp and it hasn't translated. Mm. So I would probably say below, uh, Anthony Brown kind of is what he always has been. I think him and and Jordan would be at expectations for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and I can hear people saying it. I hope, you know, I hope we see some more playing time for Jordan as we go. Amber, if you agree, I'm asking if you agree that Byron Jones is at expectations, do you think it's enough for you to be willing to give him a big contract this offseason? Well, with everyone, that all the, these names, I would say they're right where I thought they would be, with the exception of Byron, just because of the kind of injury he was coming from and the fact that he was able to be ready for week one. That was impressive. But... As far as contract goes, I mean, yeah, I would want him to stay here. But, you know, don't ask me about money and contracts because that's just a whole mess how they figure out where Mm -hmm. to divide their money and all that. Uh, Dave would probably have a better answer for when it comes to the cap money and blah, blah, blah. But for me, if it was my choice, I would keep him. You keep him, whatever it takes to keep him. I don't know about whatever it takes. <laughs> Let but, me know how much. You want yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For a fair price, yes. Right. I need the front office to get these deals done with Dak and Amari because I want to franchise Byron Jones. That's what I would huh. do. That's okay. what I would do. I, I mean, now how much? My question would be, how much is how much is it going to cost you? And I usually like to reserve the franchise tag for guys that I'm not quite certain who they are. I think they might be good, but I'm not quite so sick. So I'm willing to rent them Dak for a year. Is out of the question. No, no, that's my, that's my okay. point. Like Dak would be, Dak would be an example of that kind of guy. If you're just, if you get through this year and you're still like, I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure if he's that guy yet. So I want one more year to rent him. Even if I'm renting him at a premium, I'd rather rent one more year just to see before I have to commit. I don't know if I think that of Byron. I think Byron is Byron. Like yeah. it, either either he's and enough for you there or he's not. That's but exactly he is why, what he is. That's why I'm franchising him. Which I just looked it up. It would cost you 13 million to do that. Uh, I think I have to hold my franchise for a Cooper. No, and that well. So you say Cooper is the one you'd use enough. if you don't have it. He's well, your first round pick. Let's, you, you invested all this in him. Yeah. Let's be clear. I'm absolutely losing the, using the tag on Cooper or Dak if they are unsigned. That's why they need to get these deals done so before it. it happens so you have it to use on Byron. Mm-hmm. My thing, I think the world of Byron, he's a good dude. He's great in coverage. He's an awesome player. He deserves to get paid. I don't want to give that kind of money to a cornerback that doesn't get takeaways. Like, that's why that's valuable. You then, know what I then mean? Then why not just go back to the drawing, drawing Because I need a badass corner to be on the field for me while I'm drafting more. Because gotcha. Cheeto and Jordan are in a contract year next year. Anthony Brown is likely gone. We'll see. We don't know, but he's a free agent as well. So if you just let... And nobody else. If you let, so basically, he's your bridge. He's yeah, your bridge player until so you get to that next I, guy. I franchise tag him with the intention of drafting more cornerbacks. And so... You got Cheeto and Byron for another season next year. You can let Byron go when his tag expires, and by then you'll have more young corners Not to against that. help you. And that sounds bad. I mean, it sounds mean because I'm basically like I'm using Byron for one more year. But if I'm going to pay that much money, it's you know it's kind of like the D Law thing. Like if you're going to pay that much to a pass rusher, he better be doing stuff like Khalil Mack and giving you short fields and yeah. stripping quarterbacks. And if I'm yeah. paying that much to a cornerback. 
good coverage isn't good enough yeah, for me. Gilmore yeah. and those guys are making picks. I need yeah. I need yeah. picks. I need that pick is sixes. True, but it's I like I keep wanting to hold on to him just because like the Cowboys haven't really had good corners and they've struggled at that position. And it's until now that they finally have started to have somewhat of success at the position. So when you talk about Byron and letting him go in that aspect, I don't know. And then you you see all these other guys that we didn't expect the Cowboys to sign, and they did. You got Lyle Collins, Jalen. They both signed. I'm sure they've called and said, hey, you want to do a discount? And that's (laughs) no. You interested? We learned that lesson the hard way. Like, I mean, maybe Byron would agree to a deal that would work for everybody. I don't. He is. He is. He's not forgotten by us because we talk about everything, but like just in terms of like, I don't remember the last time Byron was asked about it. Like, yeah. he's not, you know, Cooper and Dak get asked about this stuff every day. Even Jalen did to a degree. You know, he was like, whenever Jerry's ready to write the check, like he would be asked about it if he stood in front of his locker and true. Just did no. one every week. Like, he doesn't do that. Byron has, it, he seems to be making an effort to not so be not in the limelight. Being, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but so he's just sort Which of. Which is interesting. Yeah, is, does that shock you at all? Not really, because mm-hmm. he's never been that guy. Like he's an he's an understated, quiet. And then on but, top of that, like you know, he probably he knows that there's some uncertainty with his. But future. I would say he is a leader type guy, and that's where it does shock me a little bit. I think he's the type of guy that understands the importance of of leadership. And I don't. See I would that. think that you don't see that at all. I don't see it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. There's some people that are leaders. There's some that aren't. I just don't see that necessarily out of him. Maybe a guy that goes and works out all the time and athletically and all that, but he not, does a his rah, job, rah, but not a rah-rah guy. No, and I'm not leading. saying a rah-rah guy. I'm saying a leader, somebody that understands the importance of the other guys in the room looking to you to set the example. Maybe. And that's not necessarily rah-rah. That's saying, here's what we need to do as professionals. I think he's a very professional guy. Sure. So if he's a very professional guy and he understands the importance of leadership, then to me, he would be that guy that's setting the example for those other young well, cornerbacks. I mean, not to get in the weeds with like how the media is, but like... If people were clamoring to talk to him, like, where's Byron? He's he not talking. It. He would do it. Yeah. He yeah. just, there's not a lot of demand for it, which yeah. is kind of interesting because he's an all pro cornerback, but you just, there just aren't a ton of people clamoring to talk to Byron Jones. I, I noticed you guys, I, I'm sure you guys have noticed how much, how much easier that is with Zeke this year. Win or lose. He's the first person in the locker room that steps up to say, I'm ready to talk. I think I, Nick would tell you that's been a thing for I, years. I, 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 was Has sho- he been that? I was shocked when he when the whole thing was happening in 17 with the you're suspended, but now you're not, and all this stuff. Kansas City game comes to mind, stands right up there and talks through all of it. He's been that's amazing part. His, I just I think this year it seems like to me. It seems like to me like he is like when we walk in the locker room. Zeke is there and ready, like what y'all got. Same with yeah, Wednesday. Same with yeah. Wednesday. He talk. like he deservedly people knock his maturity for the off-field problems he's had, but like in terms of professionalism, he's right up there with the best of them. Yeah. I mean, they lost to the New York Jets, and you know Taylor and Brad Sham do the Cowboys Hour on Monday night. Like, and he showed he up, showed up, and yep. he you know he did the interview. He was nice and gracious, like. He's professional. Yeah. He doesn't. Some, he doesn't get credit for it all the time. Sometimes going to those professional colleges that that these guys go to helps. I mean, I, yeah. I really they spend a little time Ohio making sure those State, guys are well, bowl games, well, all well that, that kind of yeah. stuff. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but I mean, these SEC guys and Ohio State, they're, they're just living in front of the cameras all the time, and you kind of get it. You're the star, and that's pro. I mean, pro. It, it really is pro football, right. just at a college level, right? I, I mean. Re- 
Yeah, real quick, uh, Xavier Woods, Jeff Heath, the below, yeah. below the safeties Both. have been Both. below expectations. Yeah. expectations. I would say I would Jeff Heath. I would say like you know what he is, and he's kind I think of, he's been at yeah, but well at but like that the the play against the Jets just sticks in my craw. But like that's who he like it's that's the, Jeff Heath though. He hasn't it? been a ninety-two yard give up touchdown. That's the type thing. Guy. It's it's so out of character for their whole but defense. He, but he has had moments when he has big plays were given up because he didn't have the right angle because he didn't get to the right it spot happened at the against right the Lions last year. And so that's my point is like Jeff will make plays for you because we've seen over the over his career. He's probably one of the guys on this defense that actually will make a play. Yeah. But he also will give up a play. Right? Well, he's and that's usually he giving up plays to, to – I mean, I'm not trying to defend him, but usually the plays people think about are the Hall of Famers. Like Adrian Peterson into the end zone and Calvin Johnson over yeah. him and maybe Jimmy Graham if he's a Hall of Famer. Goff. Yeah. Goff on the outside. Yeah, man. Nah, yeah. Okay. But Robbie Anderson is not even going to the Jets Hall of Fame, and they put everybody I in don't there. know about that. No. Jets, they have a – their bar's a little lower, I Jeez. think. I'll, I, I'll contradict myself again because everybody know, like I cheerlead for Jeff Heath all the time. I think he gets hated on more than he deserves. Great story, Saginaw State, all that good stuff. Um, do you see his goat play though against Derek Carr? He did it again. I know. Exact yeah, I did. Same play. I did. Yeah. I was like, Derek Carr did the same thing. Same again. exact yeah. play. Yeah. I was like, learn. But I, you right. know, and I, all that stuff is true for me. And like Jeff Heath is what he is. He's better than he than a lot of people want to give him credit for, but. The Cowboys have deferred from upgrading that position for several years, which means that he sh- should play at a level where that's justified. And when you're giving up 92-yard touchdowns to Robbie Anderson, it's just not a good look. I, I get it. I just, again, this is all about expectations. My expectations for him this year were what he's been, and, and yeah. that to me fits with what he's oh, been. He's, you know? he's the, you know, he'll pop the receiver and set up Cheeto for an interception. And he'll also give up a, a long gain because he because the angle wasn't great. Like yep. it that's, kind of is who it is. is. You yeah. know, uh, Chris Richard he he has talked about the safety position and kind of made it seem like oh he can do without having another player. You know, mm-hmm. he can work with these guys and take it to another level. And it hasn't happened. And I was a believer going into this year's draft. I was like, okay, well. Maybe. I mean, it's Chris Richard. We've seen him, what he can do. Maybe he, he can take this safety position to another level, and it hasn't happened, and that's disappointing, honestly. And it's going to be a lot of questions as this goes on when you look at Tristan Hill and how he develops. And say, they could have gone to safety, and what we heard was there was a very impassioned mm-hmm. plea from Chris Richard that, hey, I, I got what I need at safety. We're good, right? Tristan and, Hill is not a bust, but Juan Thornhill would not be inactive for this team. Yeah, he just wouldn't be, and that's where this is going to get interesting over the next few years to see how those two guys' careers develop, because uh, that'll tell you a lot about whether that was the right decision or not. Yeah. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We are back next week. Amber's going to save her game until next Tuesday. We'll get to that on Tuesday. Oh, we're off Monday too, aren't yes, we? We're not doing shows on Monday, so yes. it'll be I won't Tuesday. be here on Tuesday. Not th- I love doing the show, but you <laughs> I don't know. know. We'll no, see. Next week, maybe you, I you will be here. You come to okay. Me. All right. Till then, we appreciate you guys joining us for Nick Eben, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia. I'm Derek Eagle, and this has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?